The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is the newscast for episode 44 for the week of December 4th. Alex, this is our first time taking a week off from recording. How, how are you recovering from not getting to do this? What, what do you mean, Rob? We had a <laughs> podcast last week. I'm not sure exactly what you, you mean by that. Well, so Alex and I recorded the, the Thanksgiving podcast a little bit before so we could spend the holiday with our families. Uh, what did you do for Thanksgiving, Alex? You know, we were actually here in town. Uh, we had some family come in. Um, a couple of my uncles, my brother was here. It was a good time. Um, just sort of relaxing. You know, spent a couple of days cooking. Besides that, it was good. How nice. about you? Uh, well, we ended up kind of last minute deciding to go to Glenwood Springs. We took nice. my, my family and my, my wife's parents and uh, spent the day in the springs. We found some caves at, near Rifle, you know, Rifle State Park, Rifle Falls, I guess it's called. Um, some the caves, the kids love going in the caves. We had, we had a great time, uh, fun to explore a little bit of the state that we hadn't been in. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Uh, reminder that we have a Slack channel and, and it's really become quite lively. There's, a, I think, about 90 people in the Slack channel right now. Um, this is a good place for you to come talk about what's going on in security. This last week, we talked about that that Mac flaw where you could you could get into a root account with no password. Uh, we call yeah. that zero factor authentication, That's I believe. Right. <laughs> uh, lots of talking about the some of the interesting breaches we've had lately. Um, so anyway, go to the Slack channel. The, the link to join is in the show notes, and uh, we'd be happy to have you there. I think even bigger news than our Slack channel is that In-N-Out Burger is finally coming to Colorado. There have been rumors for years and years that eventually In-N-Out was going to come to Colorado, and now it's true. And they say uh, North Colorado Springs, right? So they have purchased the land for the building. Yeah, so uh, it sounded like they have land for a distribution center. So they're, you know, they're going to set up um, their infrastructure and then also open a restaurant down there in the Springs and one um, at the same time or nearly the same time in Denver somewhere. So that should be exciting. What's your favorite in and out order? Um, I, it's hard to say. Um, yeah. I think that the, fa- the favorite one that I've ever seen, though, is the, uh, the founder of Zappos in Las Vegas ordered like a 100 by 100 or something right, like that. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, I like a good hamburger. It doesn't really matter to me what's on it. I, I hope we can agree that their fries are not very good, though. Can we, are, are we on, like the burgers are delicious. I, I mean, I, I agree, but the, the fries are kind of, yeah. I think that, you know, there's different camps in terms of the fries. All right. We'll move along to a little bit more tech related news. Uh, there is a, an article here in the show notes about some futuristic technologies that have come to Colorado and those that are still coming. Uh, so it, it's not that many. So we'll go through them real quick that we talked about this one already. The, the real RoboCops, these, these security guard robots that folks have already created. Those are out now. Um, but I, what I like even more is this, the Apollo jet bike. Yeah, that looks really cool. <laughs> it's, it's a, a bike that can go hundred miles an hour. And by the way, it flies, right? Yeah, you know, flying cars. <laughs> and there's a picture of it in the show notes. If you want to take a look at this, apparently it's available right now for the low, low price of $279,000, um, which it's either that or a Tesla Roadster, one or the other. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then, uh, the, this thing that's coming out in the next year or so are these new ski lifts that have. Uh, basically an entertainment screen on them. Um, when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, do we need yet another reason not to pay attention to people around us? But it was kind of interesting. They'll show, you know, what the current state of the different uh, ski slopes is, you know, where are any closures? What's the weather look like coming up? And of course, advertisements, which we all need. Yeah, that's not nearly as exciting as a, a jet bike, but uh, I guess it's definitely a step forward. Yeah. 
A few more things that, that are on the coming soon. They, they mentioned the Hyperloop, which we've talked about quite a bit. Um, some some new satellites from Lockheed. Uh, and then and then interestingly enough, invisible TV screens. Yeah. So when they're not turned on, you see right through them. I like it. Hopefully you don't have anything just, dirty behind the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you can just paste that to the wall and then uh, you know put a piece of art behind it or something, right? So when the TV's off, you get a nice piece I of like artwork. It. Uh, next, the city of Boulder. Um, they are looking for a startup in residence. So essentially, uh, you know, Boulder being a great startup culture up there, the city of Boulder uh, has some stuff that they would like to get done. And they're sort of putting proposals out essentially to have startups come in and help with it. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think it maybe is for free that they're asking for help. I'm not sure about well, that, <laughs> but they have three problems they're looking to solve, right? Uh, not, not all that complex either. Uh, they're looking to solve um, an open data PDF converter, basically something that can convert PDFs on city websites into more easily accessible open data. They're looking for someone to help improve the council correspondence process so they can enhance responsiveness to residents. And they're looking for someone to help automating their accounts payable process by developing a solution that improves the city's finance team's ability to, pr to process tasks and analyze spending. So basically some, some solved problems here, it sounds to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next... Uh, we had an article that talked about um, states looking for um, cybersecurity workers, essentially. So um, programs that are, are being put in to help build that next generation of workers. And as part of that, they highlighted uh, Colorado and the state has a $900,000-ish program to do internships uh, for veterans, which I think is really yeah. cool. And they have some quotes from our friend Debbie Blythe, the CISO for the state of Colorado, talking about you know why these are kind of ideal folks to, to have bring into security as they've obviously shown a commitment to protecting the infrastructure and uh, they, they have some tenure and, and longevity in a position. Yeah, I was actually talking to, to Debbie and she mentioned this program. It was funny. She said, you know, I was going in there pitching for interns for, you know, a bunch of different things. And I said veterans right out of the bat. And they were like, that's fine. Approved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. No one wants to say no to veterans, right? That's right. Uh, so next story for us is that Colorado schools have been preparing for cyber ransom attacks. They're running some simulations and some exercises because apparently the bad guys are now targeting schools pretty heavily. Uh, and there's been some schools where, you know, they get into the systems and they, they threaten to either delete or release sensitive data or actually terribly, they've they threatened to hurt children if you don't pay money after, you know, after getting control of video cameras. They've made some of these threats. Yeah, this I think it came from an event um what was it in Montana, I believe, mm -hmm. um, you know, where this happened. So I think uh, education is finally on notice that, that they've got, um, they're in the crosshairs now too. Yeah. Um, they're next, a Colorado company uh, created an app that you can use to detect uh, credit card skimmers at gas stations. Yeah, so this is SparkFun. And we talked about SparkFun already. They're the same company that did that that robot that could uh, break combinations on safes, right? Yeah, I think that they presented that at DEF CON over the summer. Yeah. So this, this is a new, it's an Android only app. And, and I, I'm just telling you if, you, if you have an Android, go take a look at this app. What it does is it'll, it'll search for Bluetooth near your phone and it'll look for that Bluetooth signal that skimmers at a gas station or you know wherever you're gonna pay would be, would be exhibiting. So you, hopefully you know about the Bluetooth and you can report it before you put your credit card in there. Right, so this is sort of the, the next phase for these skimmers, right? It used to be, you know, they'd put them in there and they'd have to come back and collect them at some point, right? Because it would save credit card numbers onto, you know, some memory chip or something yeah. like that. Well, then they added Bluetooth. And uh, now since that would be out there beaconing, this app can, can detect it. Um, pretty cool idea. And uh, glad to see that that's coming out of Colorado. Yeah. 
Uh, the next article is a blog post from Logarithm with an interview with Sue LaPierre. Sue is the CISO at Prologis. Uh, it's a short little talk about why she enjoys her job, what Prologis does, um, and and it's a nice profile in one of the women in security. Sue is also going to be one of our feature guests. So we have interviewed, we've recorded the interview. It's going to be a few more weeks before it's posted, though. Uh, next, Optif put out a blog this week about 10 tips for businesses to optimize security programs during the 2017 holiday season. So uh, reading this, I don't know that I would necessarily say it's uh, 10 tips for security programs, um, but it's you know some good tips, I think, more aimed towards um, non-security folks or small businesses. Um, there's definitely some, some good stuff in there. Um, a lot of straightforward things, but definitely things that you th- should think about. One of them being, Hey, maybe you should start getting prepared for all of these new devices that are going to be coming into your organization after everybody gets them for Christmas. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, go ahead and, and check that out. Some, uh, good info in there. Um, next, a, a another optive article. Um, this actually was in a, a website called the information, um, you know, Optiv was purchased um, this past year by KKR, uh, private equity firm, private equity firm, uh, for two billion dollars. Um, the article talks a little bit about, um, you know, s- some of the hurdles that Optiv has been trying to get over as, as part of that acquisition. Um, potentially some problems with uh, meeting sales figures. Um, Dan Burns, the CEO, has been put in charge. Um, Tim Hoffman, their former operational leader, had stepped down. Um, there had been some layoffs at Optiv. It, it sounds like it's been a little bit of a rough road from them trying to make the transition um, from where they were into uh, what KKR wants them to be. So um, hopefully um, Optiv can uh, get back on its feet. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they are still doing fine. They're, they're a um, you know a giant in the security industry, um, but looks like maybe not exactly smooth sailing over there. Yeah. Well, sorry, we don't actually have a link for, we haven't seen it covered in any press, is uh, around CyberGRX. They had some layoffs here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, rumor was somewhere in the ballpark of 20 employees. And considering the size of the company, that's a, a pretty big number. Um, I, I would say it's not too surprising when you get these small start, vendor startups that um, you know they get the funding, they go after it, they ramp up quickly. If sales, if the sales trajectory doesn't match with the, with the projections, then you know you have to pull back on that spending to make the you know to manage your burn rate on that investment. So not a big surprise, but kind of a a bit of bad news to hear for the local uh, CyberGRX. Yeah, too bad. I hope uh, everything's good over there. We like those guys. Uh, next, uh, SecureSet announced that they are now open at their Tampa location. So they've been expanding. Um, you know, obviously started here in in Denver. There's a Springs location. Um, now you've got a location out in Florida too. Pretty cool. And and. That's another opportunity that uh, a local company is growing, doing really well. Um, you know, Brett Fund's another uh, upcoming feature interview on the show. Um, he's he's the uh, founder and CEO over there at, at SecureSet Academy. They're doing a good job and looking forward to seeing them continue to grow. Uh, next is a, a little bit of news about Ping Identity, where where I work. Ping, uh, this is actually one of the one of the more fun pieces of news we've had lately. Ping has historically been a software based company. About five years ago, moved to offering a SaaS version of the product. Um, what we've really seen at Ping is this need for the high complexity that you get with installed software and the ability to customize to your environment, but doing it in the cloud. So Ping is just this new announcement is a really simple deployment of all Ping software, or excuse me, some of Ping software into the cloud, especially into AWS, making it easy for companies to have that customizability, but also taking advantage of the cloud scalability and cost. 
I sure hope that the security guys over there at Ping are making uh, those cloud deployments secure for everybody. As, as secure as the cloud can be, yes. Uh, next, we had an article from uh, Conversant. We've talked about them before. They do um, compliance and uh, ethics training. Um, I think this actually was probably my favorite article of the week. Uh, it's titled Monitor Culture Like a KPI, Three Indicators That Your Culture Is Secretly Sick. And they're talking about secure, or, um, culture in general, but I could see where some of these might apply to security directly as well. So the first one being uh, reports of bad behavior decline. And normally you might think, oh, well, that's good. There's no more bad behavior. But the, the indication there being that, you know, things have just sort of gone under, underground. No one's reporting bad behavior yeah. anymore. Um, this is so relevant, you know, especially right now with, uh, you know, obviously there's been the Uber uh, issues with reporting and Yahoo before that, where maybe there's a cultural aspect. But then the other side of it is all the sexual harassment, sexual assault that we've seen across every industry. This is really in, in the wheelhouse of what Conversant works on. And, and I'm sure uh, been a big driver for their business lately. Yeah. The second one, um, everyone's anonymous. Uh, you know, again, if people are scared to report things or they don't want to put their name on stuff, uh, maybe you have a problem. And then third, um, every ethics conversation happens in a conference room. You know, so when this is not part of your culture, when it's something forced, say from HR or somebody like that, or from legal, um, then then maybe you do have a culture problem. And again, I, I could see you replacing ethics or other things with security here. You know, right. if all of your security conversations are your formalized, um, you know, security training for the year. Um, and there's not conversations outside of that, you know, maybe you need to work on that security culture. And another, another thought would be, you know, if every conversation is let is started by a security team member, right? Right. If, if we don't have other folks in the company who are thinking about security and asking those questions, that's, that's a good indication that it's, it's not a healthy security culture. Exactly. Uh, last story of the week, yet another, another, uh, one without a link associated, but, um, Former guest John Everson, CISO from Dish Networks, will no longer be the CISO for Dish Networks very soon. John has, uh, has moved on to work for a company called Affinity, if, uh, who does um, matching for call centers. And, and really, it's a startup, and he's going to have a different kind of a role, going from you know a Fortune 200 company here in Denver to a company that's headquartered out of state, but he'll still be here local with us. Yeah, congratulations to John. Um, I think it's a good move for him. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a, a fun time in his new place. And while it's not posted yet, Dish is going to be looking to backfill him. Um, obviously, they can't get somebody as good as him, but uh, hopefully they can get someone who can who can carry the water. He was uh, nominated for CISO of the Year this Absolutely. year. So, you know, one of our finalists. Theoretically, one of the top three CISOs in Colorado. Absolutely. Um, congrats to John for that, that move. Uh, so let's move on to trivia. So our previous uh, trivia question, you know, we didn't have one for the Thanksgiving show. Um but that was, whose mission is it to support and promote statewide emergency preparedness, disaster response, and mutual aid assistance for public and private water and wastewater utilities? So the answer for that is CoWARN, C-O-W-A-R-N. Uh, it's, it's a statewide uh, water, wastewater agency really responsible for, for keeping our water and wastewater safe. Um, really interesting stuff. And this is a, there's a national program behind this. Uh, congratulations to Aaron Lafferty, who, who was the first to respond with the correct answer on this. Uh, Aaron has uh, got himself a nice piece of Colorado equal security swag. Very good. We have our, our next question. So th those of you ready, this one should go pretty fast. If and you don't, you don't have to know a lot. You have to just have to be willing to do a little bit of research here. Uh, what is the least expensive item in the Colorado Equal Security Store? Hmm. 
I, I'm going to go with uh, with the thong. <laughs> I, I know you go with the thong on a regular <laughs> basis, yes. Uh, just do, do remember that there are two sides to the store. There's this, the side where we have the horizontal logo and the vertical logo. And so, you know, you could make a mistake. Be sure if you're to not check careful. both. All right. Uh, so let's move on to events. Um, again, as always, please make sure to check out the event calendar on the website. Uh, we try to keep that updated with all the stuff that's going on. And we're now uploaded up till there's events all the way out into May with Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference. We, we've got a lot of stuff in January as well. Awesome. Uh, first, uh, CitySec is doing their South Meetup on December 4th. Um, the CTA has their C-level volunteer kickoff on the 7th. Uh, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their awards banquet on the 7th of December. You got to be a member of the chapter to attend this, but it looks like it should be a fun event, kind of a holiday celebration, I think. Um, SecureSet has a Capture the Flag event on the 8th. Uh, CSA is doing a CCSK training on also on the 8th. And that's a, a paid training that you want to sign up for in advance. So if you haven't signed up yet, don't, don't, don't dawdle. This is time to do it. On the 13th, the CTA has their CTA 101 event where you get to, get to learn about CTA, meet who the people are, and see how you can get involved. Uh, on the 14th, um, ISSA and ISACA have their annual joint meeting at Comedy Works. This is always a big, a big event every year. Uh, it's, it's a really fun time. You know, until last year, it was always at the Wine Coop downtown, and and we moved down to the Comedy Works. Still brought the booze with us. Uh, <laughs> a couple of really good speakers. Hopefully, a, a lot of fun. So, a good chance to get to meet a lot of interesting folks in the community. Great and, networking opportunity. And if you are uh, an ISACA member, there's a cost, and if you're an ISSA member, there's not. So, there you go, huh? Sorry, Asaka guys. Uh, and then finally, on also on the 14th, uh, CTA is doing their Legislative Outlook meeting. So this is, uh, you know, meeting with uh, potentially with legislators and other things like that about what's coming up for the, the coming year. Yeah. All right, let's jump over it. Well, I'll say a couple of things coming up in the future. Be thinking about Snowfrock. That is the uh, OWASP Denver big annual event. Um, it is scheduled for May 8th. Uh, excuse me, March 8th, March 8th. And you can start looking at that. And, and if you have a talk for it, submit that. Uh, speaking of talks, RMISC call for papers is open. We're looking for people to submit talks for that. Uh, if you have any, especially any case studies, anything you've implemented at your job, we would love to hear, hey, I tried to implement DLP and here's how it went well and here's how it went poorly or whatever it is you've done. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, and for the that CFP, all you really need to have to be able to submit is your title and abstract and what people are going to learn. Um, you don't necessarily have to have the talk done yet. Right. So if you got some good ideas and, and feel like you can put it together by May, uh, then I'd say go ahead and submit, submit yep. early, submit often. Um, also on that same front, uh, we are looking for sponsors for Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference. So you can check out the website rmisc.org for that. And we're actually doing attendee registration a little bit differently this year. Uh, in the past, we have waited until all of the content was ready. Um, we've had all the speakers in place before we opened up registration. This year, we've opened it up early. So right now, if you wanted to attend, you could go out and register right now. Um, you're not going to see in the past, uh, like in the past, where we had you know the different tracks and everything all set up. So um, if maybe you have some budget open at the end of this year and, and want to get it in for 2017 instead of 2018, uh, maybe go ahead and take a look at that. Sounds good. All right, let's jump over to jobs. We've got a CISO job open. We've got the chief security officer at Dominion Voting Systems, which is headquartered here in Denver. Yeah, I hadn't heard of them before, but um, looks like it could be very interesting. Uh, Cognizant is looking for a senior manager of corporate uh, corporate security engineer. There you go. Um, 
CHI, Catholic Health Initiatives, is hiring a manager of IT security risk. BioScript is looking for an IT security operations manager. A lot of leadership roles this week, huh? Yeah. Uh, Ruben Brown is hiring a senior auditor for information technology. Uh, the city of Broomfield is looking for an IT security analyst. And Chipotle is hiring an IT security threat analyst. So Sounds if you like want... a tasty job. <laughs> if you want free burritos, go check that one out. All right. Well, that takes us to the end of, uh, of our news for this week. Our, our feature interview is with Joe McComb. Joe is the CISO for Janice Henderson. He's been in Colorado for a long time. You know Joe, right? I know Joe. Yeah. Joe's a good guy. Yeah, good stuff. We talked a lot about his background, which is not what one might expect. He, he does not have a, uh, a degree in computer science or, or information technology or even music. music? Not, not even no music? music. No. no. He's, uh, he's the, the what, what did he call it? The genetic uh, anthropologist, like basically looking at the history of genetics over wow. time. Yeah, it's amazing. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Archaeologist, genetic archaeologist. I don't know. Whatever. It's really interesting. Take a listen and, and hopefully uh, if you get a chance to meet Joe, recommend you guys say hi to him. Sounds good. All right, guys. Have a great week. Thanks, Rob. This is Stanton Meyer, CSO of CoBank. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. For Colorado security professionals, by Colorado security professionals. All right, this is Rob Reck, and today I have the distinct pleasure of getting to interview one of my friends, the uh, the global CISO for Janice Henderson, uh, Joe McComb. Joe, the, the thing I'm most looking forward to from you today is really getting some stock tips. So. As I know, Janice is one of the big investment firms in the world. What are three or four stocks that I should sink all of my money into? Okay, so uh, <laughs> I actually briefed Rob earlier on this. I can't say <laughs> anything about trading or any of the companies you trade in or anything else. Compliance yeah. has made that perfectly clear that I can say nothing about that. So should I buy Bitcoin? I, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I do like to give Joe just a little bit of a hard time, and, and that's a good way to start the interview. Uh, Joe, uh, first of all, congratulations on the the kind of the, the naming of your of yourself as the global CISO for the new company. Uh, I think it'd be a, a nice place to start by just talking about you know Janice, which is a name I think most of the listeners have probably heard for the last yeah forty um, years, yeah, long time, yeah, most exactly. of our lives. Um, it's no longer Janice, right? Could you yeah. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So basically what happened is we merged with um, another financial and active manager um, in the UK. Um, a lot of that is really around market share. Um, that if you look at it, they had a huge number of assets under management in the UK. We had a huge number of assets uh, under management in the US. Uh, when you look at the direction they were moving, they were moving into the Asia Pacific, that area, also um, South America. Um, we were also moving the same direction. It made a lot of sense strategically to yeah. combine the two companies. A lot of synergy in that respect. So um, true, true to say, Janice was headquartered in Denver. Is that right? Yep. Cherry Creek, right? Yep, absolutely. And 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 Henderson was headquartered in London. London. Yep. And now we're headquartered in London. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I will be flying out there, and well, okay, I want to reveal what time, but fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the. Uh, yeah. The uh, the global CISO is here in Denver, which is pretty awesome. Is your team distributed between? Uh, yeah, UK and here. Um, the team that Henderson had was a lot smaller um, than the team that you saw in the US, and they were really beginning to grow yeah. in size. And so kind of one of the advantages they got with the merger is they got some synergy around that, the fact that they didn't need to you know suddenly add a, a US team or something similar. Um, yeah, we were much larger. The, the um, CIO is also located in Denver, mm. um, so you see kind of the major um, information, well, information technology presence 
is all located in Denver yeah. right now. Okay. Well, I, I, let's back way up, all yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I assume that you know from from day one you were always a security person, right? And you went to college and became got your security degree and, <laughs> and so forth. Is that is that true? No, 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 no. What, not at what, all. What did you study? Uh, boy, that's a long story. Um, okay, so undergrad was chemistry, of course. CU Boulder, you know, yeah. had to be a Colorado school. Go Bucks. Um, and I also got an anthropology uh, major in that. Then I combined Chemistry the and anthropology. That's yeah, kind of a strange that's, that's mix, right? That seems kind of Is crazy, it? right? Um, a little bit. Um, human population genetics. It's all that, that cool stuff you see on TV along with um, all the stuff that you see on CSI. Um, so after I got that degree, I said, okay, I'm going to combine these two. Whereas everybody else I knew was going to med school and they thought I was crazy going into anthropology. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go into anthropological genetics. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> boy. Um, <laughs> and so I went to the University of Kansas um, and started studying anthropological genetics. And I was what you call classically trained. There's uh, four primary fields in anthropology. There's linguistics, uh, sociocultural, archaeology, and there's physical. Hmm. And I was trained in all those fields, um, trained also in what you call forensics now. Um, so um, I had a whole class on osteology. Um, What's osteology? Uh, study bones. Mm-hmm. Um, how to identify? Yeah, it was great. And you'd sit there and you'd work through. Um, you'd work through if you had a bone that somebody handed you or a fragment. You'd sit there and you'd work through. Okay, which side is it from? What part is it? Human or non-human? If it's a tooth, you know, upper, lower, mm-hmm. adult, you know, the like. And that field is kind of coming to popularity now in terms of that everybody watches the crime shows and you, you have this forensic pathologist, right? Or somebody similar to that. And then you also have this whole area of DNA fingerprinting. I was also, you know, trained in DNA fingerprinting, mm. uh, from paternity lab. And if you look at so all b- yeah, paternity but, lab means you're going to find out who the father is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they, they handle forensic cases, cases too. Did you work on Jerry Springer? No. <laughs> no, I, oh boy, that, and that's a you really chance. I got it. That's okay. a really seedy. No, and, and that, that kind of kind of swayed me into why I ended up going more IT. Hmm. Um, so for a while there, I was I was I'd gotten a PhD and I was being courted by. Um, okay, I won't say what organization, but it was basically to to run a forensics lab. And you know we're talking about this, and I said, okay, so how much are we talking per year? And they said. 17,000, so 17K a year. Yeah. In 1999. Uh, yeah, so think about so that. So that's not great. No, that's not great. <laughs> yeah, there, there's this dot com boom. Yeah. And meanwhile, I've been putting myself through school doing, you know, what everybody else has been doing, you know, help desk, yeah. you know, service desk work, AV, you know, web development, things like that. And, you know, because that, that paid fairly well. Yeah. And, and you're get, that's almost a minimum wage. It's not. It's not too right. much more than exactly, minimum wage. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's this big dot com boom, and everybody's like, "You know how to code HTML? Like, yeah, of course. You know who doesn't? You know JavaScript? Yeah, absolutely. You know Java? Yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Hey, you're hired." Yeah. Um, and we remember that whole boom, right? That whole yeah. boom period. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that that brings me to a pharmaceutical company called Merck, and I worked there for about six and a half years. It was server administration, and then. This is the fun part. Um, so about 15 years ago, they said, what do you want to do next? And I said, there's a security position that somebody, you know, nobody seems to want to fill. And I said, I've always wanted to do security. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love, you know, like trying to break into systems. This is great. <laughs> and so they came back and asked me about a week later, do you, do you really want to go to the security position? I was like, yes, this sounds really cool. And they're like, 
you're totally certain you want to go into security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, we got to put that in perspective. This is you know 2002. Yeah, yeah, and we, we remember those that era. That's Sarbanes, Sarbanes-Oxley was yeah. uh, coming around. Coming the around, and, it was yeah. either there or coming around. The yeah, corner. and yeah. Senate Bill uh, 1386. So California just released that. You know, their first. You know that you must report breaches, the data breach stuff. Yeah, exactly. But for the most part, everybody, you know, this was like that field where it was kind of the dumping ground, mm. um, and people just didn't didn't like it. Um, and so I, I think it's funny, you know, when you see postings for like you know 15 years of security experience and must have a PhD, and I'm like, come on, you know, people, people you know, back then, we, you know, you, yeah. you got the people that. Really, really, really wanted to do this because you know nobody else was really. There wasn't a lot of defenders at that no, point. There was no. there was the people who were yeah. hacking, yeah. and then there was like yeah. there was sys admins who, right. uh, as a side thing, would also try and stop the bad guys. Right, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and get the system set up, and, and maybe I'll lock it down at the same time. That's I'll, probably not. Yeah that, yeah, that that was exactly it. You know, yeah. and you know, I was kind of this crazy guy who like it's like this is great. I'm going to set up this Nessus server because I'm a server admin, and I mean I've got the resources to do this. So. You know, I set up the Nessus box, scanning, you know, and then I go talk to the, I, w- I was like a divisional security administrator and I go talk to the corporate security team and they're like, wow, this is really cool. How do you do this? Because, yeah. you know, you're right. I mean, they, they were kind of access and administration and policy. Yeah. You know, that was what they did. Not security engineering, security architecture. Yeah. Not at all. And, you know, and so, so things like, you know, network worms, which were coming through, you know, we'd see Sasser and all these other yeah. pieces. Yeah. Code red. Slammer. Yeah. Slammer. Exactly. Remember when all those were hitting. Yeah. And so I'm the guy that's like reading the logs and I'm like, okay, I can see this. And they're like, great. Can you tell us what's going on? I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm your regional guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> Yeah, that's, how, so. that's how you get to new, do new stuff, though, right? Yeah, and it, it, I admit it was a blast. Yeah. Um, so you said six six years doing that at Merck. Were, um, did yeah. you move around, or were you doing the security stuff the, um, the whole time? So, so yeah, so for about two years, I was doing web development, server admin, and then what four and a half years I was doing security stuff. Okay. Um, and it's kind of funny too because I was one of those people that that basically said, okay, when I get my CISSP, not to put other people on the spot here, but. I'm actually going to get the requisite amount of education, um, you know, time, sorry, time spent on the job. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, the five years. Yeah, the five years. Yeah, exactly. Or with college degree, like four. So, so literally right when I got that was when I went and took the test and bang, CISSP and went from there. Um, It's big times, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wait, what year did you get your CISSP? Um, 2005. That's really early. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's early. Yeah. New York city. Um, never forget that. And, um, ironically, like there was one of the people that was proctoring it. Um, he's, he like sends me a note literally four weeks later. He's like, did you get it? Um, I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you want to come and interview with us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean like that, it was just yeah. kind of funny. So, uh, so did, yeah. did you end up, it sounds like you ended up changing jobs shortly after you got it. Yeah, I, I did. Um, so 2006, um, and, um, what happened then is there was this little thing called Biox. Um, so I worked for this pharmaceutical company called Merck yeah. and Viox hit and basically pharmaceuticals took a hit. Right what's, what's Viox? Uh, Viox was um, what's called a COX-2 inhibitor. What that means is it's it's used to control pain, typically for arthritis. Yeah. Um, and so what we learned about Viox was um, that it doubled the rate of heart attacks, basically. Oh, geez. Yeah. So it gets pulled off the market. Um, there's one COX-2 inhibitor, um, Pfizer still has it, Celebrex is still on the market. Um, it's what's called a black box drug, which means, so, okay, quick lesson in pharmaceuticals. Yep. 
if you hear the term black box drug, what it means is when you look at things that, that are bad that can happen to you, there's a little black box around it. The black box basically means that really bad things can happen to you, like death, right. cancer, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and so you the side, effect, the side effects are potentially life altering. Yes, yeah. exactly, life altering. And so it was a black box drug. So Mark Stock, uh, Mark Stock took a hit. Um, there was a huge series of layoffs after that. I mm. watched a lot of my friends get laid off, but not in the security field. Um, you know, I kept being told, yeah, you know, you're, you know, you're important and valuable. And after about the fourth round, I, I said to myself, you know, life is really short. Why don't I go back to Colorado? That's, mm. you know, I grew up, I grew up in Fort Collins, um, yeah. you know, and I, I just missed this lifestyle. And so I started looking for jobs out here. Yeah. Um, and you know, that really set it. And I, uh, ended up at policy studies, uh, for mm. two and a half years. Interesting. Um, have you heard of policy? Studies? I have. Yeah. They're over by the ballpark, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I've known a few. Now I can't. Oh yeah. You're escaping me. I've known a few other folks there over the years. Yeah, Dan Colliner. Yeah, um, Dan was there. Yeah. Yeah. From, yeah. Who's a ball now? Um, yeah. Sue Lapierre. Yeah, over at Pro um, Lodges. Yeah, absolutely. Sue was Sue was my so, full boss. So it was so spitting Dan. out CISOs over there. Left exactly. Right. <laughs> it was spitting out CISOs. Yeah, and it's, it's ironic. So it's true, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah, you get you get um, Marlene VM who's at Oracle. Oh yeah. Um, actually, she may have changed the last name now. You get Sue. Who, I think Marlene was, left Denver too. I think she moved up to Portland or something. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, and then you get Sue, mm-hmm. um, who's very active in the community right yeah. now. Um, you get Dan Collender. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I went to um, Janice. So how long were you at policy studies? Uh, two and a half years. Okay. Um, yeah, I learned a ton at policy studies. So is that um, a 2007 to 2009 timeframe? Uh, yeah, 2006 right at the end to 2009. Okay. You got it yep. exactly. Um, yeah, so I was working under uh, Dan Collender at the time. Yeah, um, yeah really, really good team. Um, you know, really enjoyed the time there. Um, you know, we were we were the best way to say it, a little underfunded. <laughs> sure. But yeah, I mean that happens in security. Um, but you know, when you look at it, I learned a, a ton of policy studies. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I was uh, tapped to go work at Janus. Um, um, you know, in 2009. So what were you hired into Janice as? Uh, manager um, to basically manage uh, the access control area, um, to manage kind of the project security, you know, basically guiding um, new projects that are coming in through the security, security reviews process. of projects. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Yeah. Pieces sure. like that. Um, SAP security mm-hmm. um, for Sarbanes-Oxley because that was, um, you know, the primary financial accounting system. Um uh, you know some other pieces, a little bit about the, a little bit of vulnerability management. That piece, um, and do you want to con- kind of continue? I yeah, mean, no, yeah, that's absolutely. great. So when you yeah. were hired, tell me about the Genesis security team. We're talking two thousand nine. Yeah, you know the year one of how many and, and how did that structure look? Yeah, so I go in. Um, so I had five direct reports when I entered. Um, security team had a director, and he had three reports. Oh, four reports, including me, under him. Um, so that's 10 total okay. all across the board. Yeah, rel- relatively larger team. And, and um, how many people worked at Janus at the time? Uh, at the time, it was, what, 1,300 around there. Well, that's a really big security team for a 1,300-person company. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good absolutely. investment. Yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, and part of that was because the, the CIO at the time um, – had gone through um, breaches at other companies, sure. And so he he realized the value of this. Okay. Um, and so he he just said, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna build up the security team a little more because I don't want to have that happen to me again. Yeah. Um, you guys have a lot of stuff worth protecting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So so talk us. So you were hired in as a manager over IAM and projects and so forth, and and you know 
eight yeah. years later? What's happened over the last eight years? Um, so then a couple years later, um, new management came in, um, actually reduced the size of the security team a little bit. Um, another way to say that. Um, and then tapped me to run the broad security team. So my boss, a wonderful man named uh, Randy Carmichael, um, he's deceased, mm. by the way. Um, yeah, he, he at the time when the new management came in said, okay, so you know I've, I've been here for 14 years, I'm going to move on. He left. Um, and then I got tapped for his role, so I, I took on you know the whole vulnerability management um, team, including the penetration testing, that kind of piece of it, um, managing you know writing up findings around um, patches, policy, you know all all the things that you consider like classical information security. So 2011 um, timeframe we're talking about, and you were we director of information security. Is that the, the title or uh, no? They 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 did they a trial you, period. They, they just gave you the work, but not the yes, title. Yes, exactly. They did a trial period, so I, I was still a manager for. It was kind of, it was kind of the funny you know usual trial period that you get. You know, it's like I was a manager for I don't know like a year and a half, two years around in there. Yeah. yeah, I think it was about a year and a half. And they finally said, okay, so we need to promote, you know, promote you. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was kind of funny because one of the things that I did is I, I changed the focus of the team then. Um, so, and th- this is the thing that we've, we've all started doing during that period. We said, okay, so it's not if we're going to get breached, it's kind of more of a win right. and what we do about it. Right. And so at the time we were heavily reliant on preventative controls. And so I said, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to change to a monitoring posture. Um, I had, there was this incredible guy that, that worked for me. Um, oh, I commissioned him, Todd Garrison. Um, yeah, so um, who had, has recently left my team, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bigger loss. Was it, was it Ty or Todd? Was Todd. It? Todd yeah. Garrison? Yeah, exactly. Hi, and Todd. Fantastic guy. Um, yeah, brilliant. And so he and I began transforming the team. And we said, okay, so what we're going to do instead is we're going to adopt more of a monitoring posture. Um, and, you know, I'll never forget. So we went, we went to management and we said, okay, so we want to free up money for um, a SIM. And we also want to put in more IDS. We've got barely any kind of IDS support. Yeah. Um, and so and I can mention products, right? Sure. Absolutely. Cool. Good, good, good. Um, yeah. So especially if you have bad things to say about it, and that's the most fun. Yeah. Well, I have good <laughs> things to say about FireEye. Um, so, so yeah. So we brought in FireEye. Yeah. And um, you know, fantastic. I, I remember the first time we stuck in FireEye, and they always say, you know, you stick it in, and people like run in terror. We stuck it in, and nothing happened hmm. for like days. And you know, I kept asking Todd, I was like, you know, what's going on with this? And he's like, you know, we've done the test, we've done everything else, and then on about the third day, um, somebody hit an exploit kit. Yeah. And we're like, this works! This is great! <laughs> this is what I've been looking for. You know, so, you know, FireEyes kind of rolled out, um, rolled out the sim, um, and then we began, you know, I said, okay, so what we're going to do from here, um, and people ask me, they, they say, okay, so you were, you did all this anthropological work. How does this relate to anything, right? Yeah. And so... Um, when you start going through all the work that I did in anthropology, so I did DNA fingerprinting. Yeah. And the purpose of that was to look at human populations. So can I just, yeah. real quick, yeah. for those who are not watching, yes. those who are listening, yeah. Joe just pulled out a book, which is his, is it dissertation or thesis? So th- this was the dissertation. This is the thesis. Yeah. And you're, Rob, you're actually the first person, I think, that gets to see this. Most people don't usually get to see this anymore. So I'm now holding a, yeah. a, a bound book showing the cluster analysis of populations using the RAPD frequencies. Yes, exactly. So we're, we're basically talking about looking at populations and how they're genetically related, right? And so when you think about this, what you're looking at is you're looking at this big data set of a bunch of stuff. 
and you're trying to figure out who's related to who, and you're looking for anomalies. And that, that's a lot of what I work, you know, what I did during that period. Um, the Masters is much more interesting, I'll tell you that one. Okay. This, this one looks at Native Americans and kind of how all that relates together with the Siberians and pieces like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you see, you see these, these frequency charts along here, right? Yeah. You know, higher and lower. And if you think about this, if you're thinking data about, analysis is yeah, what we're looking at, right? That's exactly what frequency you're analysis. At. Yeah, you're looking at frequency analysis and data analysis, and how do you how do you parallel that out? And so, and it's it's the same thing. We're getting a bunch of data in logs, and we're trying to figure out how do we represent this in meaningful ways. One to help defend our company, and then two, when we're talking to management, what does this mean? Are, are yeah. we doing are we doing well in terms of security, or are we doing poorly? You know, so, so, you know, we start getting these, these fire results in, Yeah. you know, so of course, what do I do? You know, I start quantifying that. And one of the first things we figure out is we're like, wow, 50% of the compromises that we see are Java based. Hmm. And, you know, cause it, we, you know, we see it, we detect it, we pull it, you know, wipe the machine entirely, you know, start over. Okay. And, you know, so our realization there is you know, what's going on outside the company? And there's a really good paper by Microsoft. Um, it's, uh, what is it? Uh, Data-Driven Security Defense uh, 2015. Hmm. Uh, big subscriber to that paper. Um, so looking at your environment and saying, what are the attacks that we see that are coming in and what can we do around that? Um, so, you know, the first thing you do um, in that case is you basically change how you're patching Java, hmm. which we did. Um, we heavily improved that. Um, you look at how exploit kits are being developed and kind of the time that it takes from when you see an Adobe Flash vulnerability to when it actually gets posted. Um, and you actually gauge your patching time off of that and you change the patch priorities based off of that. And so we began pulling in our metrics program and developing according to that, hmm. um, including you know changes in the firewall, changes um, to executables coming down. For example, um, you know, not to pick on the Russians, but I will a little bit here. Um, so... Uh, one of my analysts, who uh, I won't mention the name because I don't want to be poaching him, uh, did a fantastic job. He did this analysis where he looked at um, the exploit kits we were getting hit by and geographically where those were located. Um, and at the time, 50 to 60% were all former Soviet states. Hmm. And so it's funny because, you know, I, I would talk to management out there like, oh, yeah, the Russians are coming after us. Like, no, this is bulletproof hosting. This is what it is. It's hosting facilities that nobody asks any questions. Right. And so, you know, they don't care. So, of course, that's a great place to, you know, put launch up your, any attack. Yeah, right? launch your attack. Absolutely. It's fantastic. I mean, yeah. uh, here, here. Also, California is on our list. We block California. Uh, you know, exactly. Right. right. You know, and and so what we did is we modified our firewall rules because we don't do a huge amount of business um, with Russia. And we said, okay, if it's an unclassified site coming in from Russia, let's block that. Yeah. Yeah. And that heavily dropped the alerts that we were seeing mm. coming in from exploit kits from that era. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So the way that this all relates is, you know, my primary focus was statistics and analytics, really. Yeah. And so, you know, I brought that into the company to say, okay, so let's, let's look at this statistically and then say, how can we reduce, you know, prevent attacks, but continue monitoring what's going on in the environment. And, you know, we've seen attack trends, you know, change dramatically. Yeah. I mean, if I were to ask you about ransomware in, uh, let's say 2000, you'd no. say what? Yeah, what's and I'd that? say 2010, you'd say, uh, well, maybe ro rogue, rogue AV, you know, yeah. what is that? Right. You know, maybe, but years ago I said ransomware you're like oh yeah I know yeah, about that now yeah. right and we've seen that pattern heavily shift yeah um, and 
actually have a wonderful graph that shows that. You know, I say, okay, we were, you know, 40 bucks for rogue AV. And what did we do if we saw, you know, rogue AV infection? Wipe the machine, done, right? Yeah. Um, whereas now, you know, you see, you know, the, the newer stuff. Um, WannaCry, um, we haven't seen. We've seen other types of ransomware, mainly blocked, which is good. Um, but, you know, when you, you go to that kind of level, um, you realize that if somebody's getting paid $200, $400 for, you know, Bitcoin for that, of course, there's incentive to continue on like that. Right. Um, look at the tax rates. Let, um, let's move forward a little bit into yeah, your, your totally. time at Genesis. Uh, you, you, 2013-ish, is that when you got the official promotion? Yeah. Um, and where were you reporting at that time? Uh, I was reporting into operational risk. Okay. Um, yeah, kind of usual. Is that, um, is that the people who do like the financial risk, strategic risk for the company? Um, or what's so, operational risk? Yeah, so what operational risk um, did specifically is they had business continuity, um, data protection under them, um, a true operational risk field. So looking at processes in, when, within the company and how those might go wrong, mm-hmm. how they might affect stuff. Um, a little bit of investment risk goes into that area. Um, quality, the quality too. Um, quality was there, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yep. QA was actually part of that area. Area, um, you know, big, big focus on process analysis, um, and they were under the operations area. So okay. chief operations officer. And there's kind of two different areas. If you look at it, there was CTO and there was the um, the uh, operational risk area. Okay. Um, and so, kind of fast forward, um, set of management changes again. Yeah. Um, and I was moved into the IT area okay. or the CIA. And when was that? Uh, that was 2016. Okay. Yeah, so just last year. Just last year you moved yeah. to, to report to the CIO directly? Yep. yep, exactly. And then and then when did you get the when did you get the title? Uh, the actual CISO title? Yeah. Uh, beginning of this year. And that was just basically as a part of the merger, um, that we're ready to recognize this position as, a, as kind of being a higher level executive? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, kind of to that point, I had been doing the CISO work and you know, a lot of other people out there will appreciate this for a long time by yeah. then. Um, you know, 2016 was, was really the first time that I was really spe- beginning to speak to boards um, yeah. in that regard. Um, so there was, there was part of that. Um, I'd been doing, you know, managing the security program, you know, for years yeah. prior to that. And I, I consolidated. So there was, there was some restructuring. I consolidated the security areas into my area from there. And then yeah, it was it was 2017 when it actually has the has the change of title made a difference for you in terms of internal. Well, ask two different ways. Yeah. Inside Janice Henderson, has it made a difference for you? Yeah, uh, that's a hard one to answer. In part, yes. Um, uh, I think there's more recognition really outside of the company right. around the title. Yeah, I remember going to this one session one time with um, Ian Y, and they said, we want you on this panel. I'm like, great. And so they went through, and they're like, this CISO of this, this is a CISO of this, this is the CISO of this. And they get to me, and they're like, and you're, I'm like, security guy. Just call me the security guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, half-jokingly. Um, and for me, the recognition outside has, has increased internally, there's been some effect, um, yeah. but really, you know, my, my influence was always more metric driven, you know, and talking about, you know, how these are the threats operate. Um, this is what I'm seeing. These are my recommendations. You know, it, it's like if, you know, my team also does contract analysis, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll appreciate this and other people will on the, on the board where we have a set of security requirements that we embed in contracts and you will inevitably get some vendor that'll say, I refuse, I, right. I will not do any of this. Right. And that's where my job is to go to the business and say, you know, the data that you, you've got here is either a low risk or it's a high risk. 
and they're absolutely refusing to adhere to any kind of security contract, yeah. you know, language. And then, of course, ask me, well, okay, so did you do due diligence? And I'll say yes. You know, we went through, we did, you know, a checklist. Um, usually, it's about 20 questions. It's not that big. And then I can say, I can give you a, an idea on paper where that risk lies. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, you know, there's, the decision is going to be hitting you because right. you're going to be accepting this risk, you know, one way or another. Yeah. Um, so my influence was always kind of driven from those metrics. So I'm interested in yeah. digging into that particular situation a little bit more because yeah. I'm sure many of us experience that same type of conversation. And, you know, I've, I've always been the kind of guy like, hey, I'm here to enable the business. I'm here to, Absolutely. I'm here to inform them yeah. about, what, about it so they can make their own risk decisions. But my experience after doing this for you know ten plus years is they don't they really want me to, to give to guide them to one they, answer or they want know. a recommendation they want to recommend they, yeah. they don't want me to say here's the risk what's your decision mm-hmm. they want to say here's the risk here's my recommendation yes and and then they almost always go with the recommendation absolutely and that that's been my experience too um, and I, I will come in with a recommendation um, you know usually I'll give them you know kind of when you've worked through the risk and you actually have a classification, whether this is a low, whether this is a high, um, and I will come with a recommendation and typically controls um, based upon that. Um, and then there'll, there'll be a conversation about cost of controls, you know, how does this work, other pieces like that. Um, and they, they almost always ask for that, exactly. And, and I'll say one other experience I've had, and I'd love to see if it resonates with you too, the, the higher in the organization I take the conversation, the less likely they are to accept the risk. The individual contributor level are willing to say, no big deal, the business needs it. Yeah. And then as we get higher and higher, they're like, whoa, 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 this risk really matters. Yes, yeah, and and typically, it's it's funny, for when I've seen it, it's typically right around that VP level. I hate to say it like that, but when, they, when you kind of hit that officer of the company kind of level, yeah. that's when they're less willing to take that risk or more willing to discuss what what is going on? And it might be um, that just the better visibility yeah. across the company, right? Yeah. That they better understand things outside of their silo. And yeah. if you're if you're in a silo and you don't see the rest of the company, you just don't have the perspective, the context to know whether that risk matters. Yeah, and that that was actually a mistake that I kind of made earlier on, not at Janus but at other companies, where I, I was taking that risk level too low. There's mm-hmm. no other way to mm-hmm. say it. Yeah. And, you know, I'd go to the manager and say, hey, sign off on this. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, no problem. Yeah, Bzz, yeah here exactly. Yeah, hey, absolutely. In fact, let me give you a stamp. You can just stamp it whenever you want yeah, to. Right? Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Right. And whereas, you know, as kind of my influence kind of, you know, pervaded among the uh, the company, got out there, um, you know, I started moving up. And yeah. so, you know, I, and I would go have those candid conversations with, you know, people that are much higher up. Um, yeah. You know, chief staff investments or, you know, basically the head of marketing or something similar. And that was the right level, you know. I'd say, okay, so when we're looking at this risk, this this is what I'm recommending. It's probably a low risk. I, you know, I'd recommend that you know you probably accept it, but here's some controls that are, are going to help control it. Um, so I'm going to. We only have ten minutes left, and I, I'm going to ask you a couple questions while we have some time. Yeah. Uh, so you, you know, I, I now know a little bit about your your research, your background, uh, and your security guy. Have you played around with CRISPR at all? I have not. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. It's Tell me about D, it. It's a DNA hacking. Cool. It's, yeah. It sounds right up your alley. Yeah, and I, I should play with it. You should play around with it. Yeah. And now there's like a home CRISPR you can like. Ah, uh, so I can actually do my, yeah. For a reasonable price. Yeah. Um, that would be a blast too. Because 
I, I want to I want to circle back with you in six months. This is your assignment yeah. to go to go, go learn, learn CRISPR, learn CRISPR, and, and actually and, and then my, teach me how it works. My wife's gonna love that because I'm gonna be back down in the lab with pipettes, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, all it's, right. Uh, I guess it's actually genome editing is what it is. Yeah, genome and DNA. That is that interchangeable? Can well, I do that? It's fine. It's fine. Let's just let's just go with it. <laughs> it's not, but it's fine. Right. <laughs> let's just go with it because that, that's not my background. Yeah. All right. Um, priorities for you. What What are your priorities for the next year or so? in your security program? Oh, gosh, integration. Um, so yeah, we are still integrating. Yeah, um, yeah it's funny because, you know, for some people like in our company, they're like, aren't we done integrating? It's like, no. I mean, this is going to continue on for the next, you know, year and a half easily. Yeah. Um, so integrating to two different teams, um, incident management programs, vulnerability management, um, the vendor due diligence pieces that we just talked yeah. about, you know, all of those pieces yeah. majorly. Um, and, you know, it's just funny. I, I just did a presentation on this where, you know, I put up six months of incidents, you know, and say, okay, so here's all the pressure that's coming in from the incidents. Then I put up six months of, um, of regulatory responses, which were actually, they're, they're kind of, if you think about it, all those regulatory responses are actually the incidents that happened like two years ago, really. Right. Um, and so I put all those up and it, it's phenomenal change. I mean, we see that across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, people right now are all dealing with EU GDPR and on the U.S. side, we're all asking, you know, oh my gosh, how can they enforce it? For me, I'm a U.K. based company. I, yeah. I have to worry about this. Right. Um, absolutely. And there's an immense regulatory change right now yeah. that's going on. It, does the New York financial services regulation impact you guys? Um, a little bit. Um, we're not specifically registered um, with that authority. Yeah. Um, at least that's, that's what we've determined. Um, but... Um, you know, to say that I'm not watching it and not trying to adhere to it would be a, a gross misunderstatement. Yeah. You know, I, I've gone through the controls that they've recommended, gone through it, actually went through it yesterday with my vulnerability management yeah. testing team. I said, okay, we need to be aware of this because if it's not New York, it's going to be, you know, the next state in line and it will affect us. So the only, so, yeah. so I, I, I did quite a bit of research reading through yeah. it. The only thing on that, that we shouldn't already be doing, right? If you already right. are running and, a good security right. program. And you're absolutely right. That most of it we should be doing. The only stuff that yeah. we shouldn't be doing was there's there's like you know, the CISO has to write a letter, has to like yeah. has yeah. to like register yeah. and, and yeah. that's you know, I'm not gonna do that because I don't have to. But but I should be compliant with the steps that they have in there. Absolutely. And frankly, anyone out there who's running a security program, you should probably look at it. Yeah. And if you're not doing something, put it on your list of stuff to get to. Yeah. I mean, you know, the basics that we looked at yesterday, you know, the annual penetration testing mm -hmm. should already be doing that. Risk assessments. Yeah, exactly. And the risk assessments do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought the penetration testing was a little lower down in the line, but that's okay. Um, I don't yeah. remember the, I don't remember yeah. the, the, cause there was different timing for how they phase it in. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember all the phase in timing. Yeah. And there, there was also the original draft. Um, when I was looking at that, what are calls it had like, you know, actual stated like vulnerability testing periods, hmm. um, that changed when I looked at it later okay. um, because I saw some of the early drafts of that bill yeah. too. So, um, yeah. So priorities for next year, compliance, integration, uh, Anything else you want to throw out there that you're you're thinking about for next year? Um, absolutely, always looking at staff development. Sure. Um, there's yeah. there's no other way to say it. Um, we all know this. You know, every, everybody's kind of strapped. Um, I have a, a good internship program. Oh, had nice. some really good interns um, come up through. Did you end up um, hiring some of those? Uh, yep, hired one of them. That's great. Um, have another one that's still in college right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's been doing a fantastic job. Um, it's the one thing that we really need to do to help the community yeah. more than anything else. Make more security people instead of just 
poaching from each other. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think a lot of us have realized that, that, you know, we need to give back. Um, uh, the one, you know, this, uh, and also I had kind of a frustration where I'd see these programs and I'd see them kind of turn out security people and they're, they're really, really book smart, but they didn't have, um, certain strengths that I'd be looking for, you know, like I want to always keep learning and I really like, you know, either breaking into systems or, you know, there's something, something that's driving them in information security. And I wasn't seeing that coming out of the people in the programs. And so Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so I'm going to try to get back to the programs and try to nurture that in those people that really want to do that. That's great. I love it. Uh, so for those, I don't know if if you're going to be hiring next year, I guess, are you going to be hiring next year that you're aware of? Um, I think right now we're probably going to be relatively flat. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're right now at about 13 people, which, you know, could be a larger program for, you know, um, 2,200 people or smaller, depending on for financial services, Mm -hmm. depending. It depends depends on how much you put inside your security versus NIT, how much is oversight, how much is operations at all. It's it's hard to compare. It's it's really hard to compare that model. Um, Um, We we can compare offline a little bit. Yeah. Uh, If you do hire someone, what are the skill sets that you're most likely to be looking for? Yeah. Um, So typically, you know, a drive to always keep learning, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to keep up you know, and just keep learning and keep attitude. Yeah. Attitude. And just, you know, I, I want somebody that's constantly coming in and kind of challenging and say, Hey, did you look at this? Did you see this? Yeah. This, this is neat. Um, absolutely. Um, kind of that drive to, um, you know, not accept like, you know, when, when you're looking at log data or something else like that, not accept the immediate answer, um, to kind of continue digging, um, and to continue monitoring and doing analytics around data. You know, I love that, that piece. If, you know, they're constantly looking at data, this log data and saying, okay, so, you know, it doesn't look like this. Let me dig a little further. You know, what's the next piece? Um, I I admit, I do look for people that want to look for a CISSP. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, it's not a requirement, um, but that kind of fuels that kind of always learning because then they fall into a CPE cycle and they'll they'll Mm -hmm. be constantly developing knowledge from there. What Um, what are the things I really... so I'm not a huge certification guy. I, I'm not going to turn away an applicant because they don't have it. Mm-hmm. But I will say one of the really big values of having, especially CISSP, although Security Plus gets you there too, yeah, is, is you can speak the language. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Y- you could be the most technical person in the world, but if you don't understand the difference between a vulnerability and a risk and a threat, yeah, absolutely. We, it's just harder to communicate, right? Yeah. 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 So if we could talk yeah. we could talk about it a yeah. little bit a little bit better if you if you've been through the training, you know, you've learned what do they, they say? It's a mile wide and an inch deep. That is what it is, right? Your CISSP doesn't get you ready to do any job. No, but no. it makes it so we can talk. Right? Yeah, and and in truth, there, you know, we had this conversation about um, college. You think that I'm looking for people with PhDs? I'm not. Um, some of the some of the people that I've had on my team don't even have a college degree. Yeah, um, that that isn't the piece. I typically encourage them to get a you know CISSP over time because yeah, because then it helps the language. They learn a bunch of different areas. That's not what I'm immediately looking for when they come in either. But I'm looking for kind of that drive to to continue with that. Yeah. And there, there's another piece around that too, um, around the certifications. Um, one of the reasons why I'm a little more pro on that is, you know, the fact is we we've all worked a lot of jobs, and um, you know when you look at the market, you look at all these jobs that are looking for. CISA, CISSP, CISM, there's a bunch of different pieces. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I want to be able to do is still enable them. And I realize they're not always going to probably want to work for me or always will work for me. And so I want them to be, you know, prepared that, you know, if they leave, they they actually have something that's going to help them. Um, 
you know, move on to the next level. It does. Um, it does so, prove a, yeah. a certain level of yeah. seriousness about your security career. Yeah. Right. You're not. You're not a tourist if you spent the time to get a CISSP. Right. Uh, it, it, that doesn't mean that you're good. Right. It just. Right. It's just one. Piece of piece evidence. Of, it's piece, it's a yeah. piece of evidence. And we, we we talked about this with the the Equifact breach, and we were yeah. all, you know we're all like down because everybody's like, okay, there's CISO as a region major. It's like, well, you know, 15 years ago, what, 25 years, 25 ago, years yeah. ago, you know, there, there was we're in degrees in that, and so kind of, you know, if you you know, because I'm in those those same shoes, right? You know, my degree is in you know anthropology, biochemistry, right? right. But you know, CISM, uh, CISA, CISSP, GSEC. People never mention the GSEC, you yeah. know, uh, G27,000, you know, or 2700 is I think what Sands put it as, you know, all those different certifications, yeah. you know, it does show a seriousness right. um, to be part of the security community. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. All right. So we, we are just about out of time, Joe. I know we have, we have another meeting we got to run off to. Yeah. Uh, is there any final stuff you wanted to say to the community? Any, any words of wisdom that you want to leave us with? Oh. What are you holding right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I almost, I almost forgot. What are you oh, holding? Oh, yeah, no, this is fun. Uh, so, yeah, to kind of relax lately, I, I've been learning how to make chain mail. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. You know, we're, we're always the defender, right? So yeah. you're sitting there, you're thinking, I need a chain mail shirt. You know, we'll yeah. see if I ever get that big. This this piece is about the size of my palm, you know. Yeah, this, this, would, this would not yeah. protect very much of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, maybe my pocket protector. Uh, so <laughs> so it's very, it seems like... Fairly lightweight metal here. Yeah, that's which, aluminum. Which means it's, it it's be, easy to work with. So yeah. I, I assume that this would not stop. No, a, not uh, not at all. This this and, is and, more to relax. This, and this have is fun. a this is for yeah. for looking cool. Yeah, this is for looking cool, and it's more relaxed and have fun. Are you a are you a Ren Fair guy? You're gonna be taking this to the Ren Fair? No, th- this is more to relax. Um, right. I, I went the other direction. I went to you know I was a weird part of my my life too. I, I fenced for years. Oh really? Yeah, I actually taught fencing for a couple years. Okay. Um, yeah, and. So I went that direction. Huh. Um, so really, I mean, truly, you know, competitive fencing, the, yeah. that kind of area. I was not all that good. Um, <laughs> but, well, I'm, you don't need to be all that good yeah. if the other person's not a fencer. Yeah, so. that's, that's true. So, yeah. So this has been more for fun yeah. more than anything else. Oh, very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and the big thing right now that I've got to say, if you're developing your security contr- uh, career right now is link your security initiatives to business strategy mm-hmm. more than anything else um, because really you're there to enable the business. Yeah, um, That's why you're there. And it's a differentiator because so many yeah. security people think they're there for the sake of security. That's, and if you can be the one who says, here's mm-hmm. how we uh, help the company enable these few things, it's, it's so it's so yeah. enlightening, right? And fre- yeah. Refreshing for them. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and you, we, we know some of the security community that go in there and they say, no, right. no, we can't do that. Yeah. Whereas if you go and you say, yes, we can do this. This is what I'm recommending, you yeah. know, to enable us. So we don't, you know, we don't run into the problems. It's, it's like, you know, it's like if you had a, like a military convoy, the military convoy has, it has an objective. It's got to get somewhere. Right. And if your whole purpose is to say, we have to stop, rally, shoot, and that's all we're going to do, you never get there. Right. Yeah. Right. Business right. strategy is all about getting there. Let's link, get there. Link back to yeah. your business strategy. And, and if you and if you can yeah. find metrics that yes. that show yeah. how you impact that exactly, you're, number you're, one, you're a unicorn. Yes, <laughs> but you just became incredibly valuable to your company. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Well, cool. cool. Thanks a lot, Joe. Yeah. This has been really fun. Yeah. Hopefully, we can do this again maybe in 2018 and yeah, absolutely. See how it's changed. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. 
learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.